Hi, I'm Aria Evans, the Artistic Director of Political Movement, a dance theater company that makes work from a social and political lens. And this is The D Word. I am back for season three, and we have some incredible guests lined up to talk about this year's theme, science and the mind. How do ideas like curiosity, embodied physics, and shifting trauma through movement influence or interact with the work of dance artists? Well, we're going to dive into those conversations right now. This episode, Shneshna Prugenich is calling in. Shneshna is the founder of Circle Point Wellness. She is trained in body-based therapy, community justice and building, conflict mediation, and trauma work. Today, she's here to talk about shifting trauma through movement. Shneshna, hi. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. To start off... In our intro, we talked about how Circle Point Wellness is a business dedicated to contributing to social growth by elevating and prioritizing the well-being of people and systems. Can you tell me how you do that? Yeah, I would love to. It has definitely changed over the years that I've been doing this work over the last 23 years. But where we kind of currently are now is really focusing on supporting leaders and supporting organizations in building systems that don't continue to perpetuate harm. So that includes everything from employee wellness to equity, to justice, um, to the way that we relate together. And it's really about putting in processes and trainings that allow people to kind of function at their optimum level together. Amazing. I wish there was a person like you in every business and every organization (laughs) to do that kind of work. What drew you to that role? Well, I've been doing a a lot of trauma-based work for many years with individuals, um, broad range of individuals, individuals experiencing a lot of barriers and a lot of different kind of intersecting traumas, um, and then also individuals in, in the employment and work sectors. And one thing that I've heard back from them and from the work that I've done with them is that really there is a cap to how much they can do on themselves, how much work they can do on themselves until they're kind of stopped by the system. They're kind of stopped by the processes and structures and those people above them who have those leadership positions, the directors, the managers, the executives who kind of develop and design these systems, um, which are not supportive and not healthy of the kind of work that they're doing, of the work that they might be doing on themselves and their own healing and their own wellness and their own community building. So it kind of became really evident that there was a need to speak to, quote unquote, the other side, the people who are holding the power, who are making those decisions, who are designing these processes and policies and systems. I remember when we were doing our pre-interview and you spoke about having an aha moment when you were working in the jail system. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit to that and how it relates to what drew you to this position? Yeah, there's a, there's many aha moments, but the two that, you know, one we kind of touched on and another one that I want to bring up that connects with it is that really um, I kind of had this aha moment of realizing when I walk into the space inside the jail, I move into what I almost notice like a choreography of how everyone behaves within this environment. You know, how me as somebody coming from outside behaves, how somebody 
who wears blue behaves, somebody who wears orange behaves. And there's this unspoken kind of system that everyone steps into, you know, whether they want to or not, that's already been predetermined. And so that really kind of showed me this, um, this need to look at things from a system level. The, the, and in this way of really thinking about the way we're relating within the system. So the way we're relating to one another mm -hmm. by the assumed roles that we take on. Um, and with that, there was another kind of aha moment from somebody who literally said to me, you know, he said, like, I'm doing all the work that I can do in myself. I'm doing all the emotional resiliency, emotional literacy work. I'm doing all the work on my mental health. I'm doing all the work on changing my behaviors. But I can only go so far because the system keeps pressing me down and keeps expecting me to take on a certain role that doesn't allow me to be the best version of myself. So kind of his point was like, what's the point of me doing this work if I have to consistently fight against this role that the system is placing on me, how it expects me to be and behave. So those two kind of aha moments together really brought me to want to explore this idea of how we move within systems. That's so interesting. I have like chills just listening to you talk about the the difference between like the personal work that we need to do to arrive to a place to be in good relationship with other people, but there is so much other work that can be done from a systems perspective to really be in better relationship. Mm -hmm. I thank you for sharing that. I was just like, of course. <laughs> and it's not something that I would have thought about uh, was a practice that somebody has. Mm -hmm. So today we're talking about shifting trauma through movement. Can you explain what that means? <laughs> Well, I think I, it means many different things, I think, to many different people. But I can say for myself, it has itself, uh, the definition has changed over the years. You know, I think it, it started as um, I'm a somatic therapist working with the body. So it, it started as something initially very kind of tangible, using your own body to physically move through experiences of trauma that you can't give words to. So whether it's using things like shaking or movement or, you know, different kind of body somatic techniques to move that energy. And then as I continued along that exploration of the body and movement and trauma together, I started to really integrate more techniques coming from dance and theater and using movement there to give voice to trauma that's in our body that we can't really verbalize so now movement becomes kind of storytelling and you know in in the way we use our movement and add things to it what are that sounds or not no sound or and then it kind of shifted into this movement of how we relate to one another so this movement within systems right like so beyond our physical body but the movement of people in relationship to one another Absolutely. I think about all of the times that I walk into a place and I have a certain expectation of how I'm supposed to navigate through it. And even just the awareness of that will change my relationship to it. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, like in those spaces, how we move, are we perpetuating, you know, systems that cause trauma or are we creating relationships between each other that help us heal through trauma, that help us repair trauma that has been created and, and prevent further trauma, right? You talked about 
shaking off or using emotions to express where you're at in your body and then shifting to this place where you're looking at the way that we sort of perform in spaces. Can you share some other examples of how the body stores trauma? Yeah, I mean, there is so many different ways and it's very individual to different people. So it's important to kind of keep that in mind um, that when you're looking at how does how does the body store trauma to really look at how does it store for me, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than um, kind of generalizing how it could. But a, a lot of ways that trauma can manifest in the body is through our physical symptoms, especially repetitive symptoms, chronic symptoms, chronic illnesses that kind of come up, chronic quote-unquote complaints that we have so you know if you're always getting sick very quickly and easily and getting colds and flus for example that could be a pattern that has created somewhere your immune system might have been compromised due to trauma or it could have been to other things a combination of other things and it's important to note that trauma isn't always an emotional experience there's physical traumas that happen to the body as well throughout your life you know sometimes even in birth and birthing process Mm -hmm. there's physical trauma that happens to the body so all of those different kind of pieces. So looking at like your physical symptoms is one way to start asking the question and are any of these related to traumatic patterns. The other one is really kind of behavioral patterns of things that you consistently do, but you and you feel like you're not really quite sure why you keep doing things that way. Those mm-hmm. usually are coming from some kind of pattern that might be related to trauma or something that at one point you created as a kind of a protective mechanism. Same with like thoughts that come along that are like, you know, consistently you carry throughout your life, but you can't quite place, you know, where those thoughts come from or why you have those certain thoughts. So those kind of things can sometimes be, I guess, kind of uh, opportunities to explore. Are there any patterns in here that are kind of connected to to trauma, whether that's trauma that you experienced in your life or whether that's trauma that's been passed down through generations? It's so interesting to hear you talk about all of the different pathways that things can manifest in our body. And I know you are a somatic practitioner, but I know that you have many different ways that you practice movement therapy. And I'm curious uh, how working through trauma with movement is different to other forms of therapy. Hmm. Well, I can say you know, to kind of answer that question, I had a client once tell me who came in and said, I can lie to my psychotherapist, but I can't lie to you (laughs) because the body never lies. Truly. (laughs) So it's really about identifying patterns within the body and, and giving it space to release, to release energy, to release those patterns. And sometimes that movement can be an internal movement, such as breathing techniques that we use to move energy around the body. You know, different kind of breathing techniques will activate different parts of the body. And then whatever kind of emotions or things might be stored in that body will need to be kind of moved and processed. It can be external movements, you know, such as stretching or, like I mentioned earlier, shaking or just fluid fluid kind of movement with the body to release some of that energy. But it's the first part is really kind of understanding what is happening in the body what are you what is the body kind of trying to speak to you through its symptoms sensations feelings especially ones that keep kind of coming back you know like Mm -hmm. for example today i did a workshop where we looked at 
let's say you're feeling anxiety or you have anxiety, where in your body do you feel anxiety? You probably have felt that more than once in that same part of your body. So how do we tap into that part of the body and ask it what it needs, explore what it needs. Maybe mm. it needs, you know, some expansion. Maybe it needs some nurturance. What is so your body is always able to kind of tell you what it needs. And that's a way of working with any trauma that might be in there as well, right? Without needing to talk about the trauma or go back and revisit the incidences that cause trauma. It's just about coming in the present moment. And I think that's where the movement becomes really powerful because mm. it gives the voice in the present and gives you kind of this um, power to move through the present because sometimes trauma takes away that power to react in the present of the time when it something has happened so using movement now post you know or if it's ongoing trauma it allows you to kind of have some of that autonomy over your own process I love hearing you talk about all of the things that movement can offer because that is something that has been a part of my life for so many years and I understand its importance and also the the ability it has to free us from so many things. I'm curious because on your website you talk about also um, tapping into ancestral work. How does that incorporate to your like movement practice? Mm-hmm. I think, again, it's really about understanding patterns. And there are patterns that you look at in your life and you're like, oh, I understand where that came from. I remember, you know, when I was young or when this happened, out of that, you know, I created this pattern. You know, let's say you were really hurt in a relationship and out of that you created a pattern that I, never, I will never trust anyone again. Right? Like you can trace it back to an incident, quote unquote. But when you start seeing patterns that you're like, I don't quite know where these patterns are coming from. Is This is just who I am. Or these are things that have just kind of been passed down. Then we can start asking those questions like, what are the ancestral things here that are, you know, moving through your body? And what are some traumas that your ancestors experienced in their bodies that perhaps mm. is being passed down to you? So I can speak, you know, for myself, like my ancestors experienced a lot of erasure of who they were and you know their their culture and their different identities back home so there is there is this there's this kind of experience of just really playing kind of safe and protecting and almost like disappearing being invisible blending in so there's a lot of kind of illnesses I can see in my family that are connected to this trauma that's been passed down in in the DNA in our bodies of like I can't take up too much space you know so so there's different things that kind of come as a result of that. So it's really just, again, identifying those kind of patterns and then finding what are the movements that you are free to do that your ancestors couldn't, right? Can you like give yourself the space to create those movements that they didn't have the space to, right? You've talked about your practice being focused on a sort of like individual perspective and expanding to include a more um, systems-based approach. And I'm curious um, why you think approaching systems in this way works. Yeah, I think it's because 
we internally are a system, right? Mm. So human beings build based on what we know. And what we are is is a system of interconnected relationships within our body, our mind, everything from like the physiology, how everything works, it's interconnected. And I think naturally and instinctively, human beings designed the world around us based on that same premise even of interconnected relationships. They aren't always healthy <laughs> relationships, <laughs> but they're still, we're kind of copying that from the inside out. So to me, what I've seen over the years is that people will do a lot of things for themselves internally. Like they may meditate all the time. Mm-hmm. They may do all these things to try and like eat healthy and all these things to make their internal system at optimum functioning right but then they always hit ceilings and limits because who they are is much more than just this internal self who they are is exists in relation to others right and it's in relation to others where we build these systems that we have in our society and so it just became super obvious that if we really want to make sustainable changes we have to involve that part too because that part goes back to that's who we are like that's us. It's not us and the system. Like we are the system. Yeah. It's so great to hear you also talk about sustainability inside of these practices. And if that is ultimately what we're moving towards, of course, we have to include all of the different perspectives. I'm curious because I know that you, um, like adjacent to your work, have worked with dancers mm-hmm. and I'm curious if there's movement forms that you're drawn to mm-hmm. yeah I used to dance as well myself and I always and I will still say that place my happiest place is on the dance floor <laughs> it's mm-hmm. where I feel the happiest and if you ever see me dancing you're like yeah I, I can see why <laughs> you know it's because I feel like this is a, that is a place where I can fully express myself and I don't need to use words I don't need to worry if it fits within a certain kind of you know expectation of what I should be or should look like I can just be myself and so what I have always been drawn to is dance which tells stories and Mm. you know and and I've done dance within you know West African and Afro-Cuban traditions and and going through those dances it brought me back to my own culture and kind of wondering what are the stories of my own culture what are the stories what are the stories my ancestors would have danced back then Mm. you know and how can I kind of connect those stories through movement and how can I honor them today and then how can I kind of know that as I'm tapping into those stories I'm also tapping into the trauma that I experienced and it's interwoven in there with all the joys so how can I can I help move through it now in as you know as their and as their kind of descendant Similarly to the way that you were talking about how the body can store trauma in many different ways and it's an individual thing, it makes me think about that too with movement and asking people to be embodied, that it's mm-hmm. it's individual. It's like what is the connection to their ancestors or what is the the personal connection that they have to movement or their body and to to work from that place, which is really empowering I think yeah I think movement is scary like it's scary for a lot of people because it pushes you into the the paradox of seeing trauma and joy at the same time right and then like asks Mm. you how to give voice to both of that without becoming any of it 
right? How to kind of keep moving through it all. And I think that's very challenging. And oftentimes a lot of people are not, you know, they don't feel safe to go into those spaces. And and it took me a while to feel safe to go into those spaces and kind of explore that. And, but I think it's, it's the most rewarding thing when we kind of start to tell our story from a full picture rather than just Mm -hmm. from what our mind wants to say. Right, because what mm-hmm. our mind and our thoughts want to say is just part of the picture that's been filtered and conditioned and influenced very heavily, while our body is kind of speaking from a different space, a different place. Hmm. Is there anything else that you would tell somebody who's feeling a little bit nervous or trepidatious about um, working through trauma in this way? I would say, like, don't approach it as like oh I have to work through my trauma through movement Mm. but rather approach it as like I want to know what my body has to say to me and like Mm. approach it from curiosity and this gratitude that your body has wisdom that you haven't tapped into yet in in this deeper way and and I think if you kind of carry that curiosity with you and that gratitude with you it will keep grounding you when things feel a little bit hard or things feel a little bit heavy and to know that like your body has the wisdom to move through it and it's just it's your job to just listen right rather than like i need to get to this destination of where i've moved through my trauma cuz you may never move through your trauma fully like it may always mm-hmm. keep showing up in different ways so i think taking that goal away is, is a good place to kind of start and just approach it with this like curiosity of understanding how your body speaks to you and understanding yourself on a deeper level and kind of loving that journey right how can you love mm-hmm. that journey more and so that would be something that I would say like the intentionality behind why you start using movement is is more important than you know how you use movement those are pretty profound words I'm gonna let those sit with me I have one more question for you, and it's amazing to hear that you have a background in dance, and that was where your passion for potentially incorporating movement into your practice came from. But without feeding those words to you, I'm curious, why why movement? Like, how did you find yourself here? Well, I found myself, again, through my own personal journey, like, because I you know, when I came from former Yugoslavia to Canada, I had a lot of things I couldn't understand and a lot of feelings, a lot of big feelings and a Mm. lot of trauma that was happening during the war. And I couldn't verbalize and I couldn't understand them. I didn't feel safe to verbalize them. Uh, And so I found movement as one place to explore and, and kind of ask those questions and not feel judged and not feel, you know, any kind of other external gaze it just felt like more Mm. with myself and then so it was it was a space to kind of explore my own feelings right and and find ways to kind of tell those stories of what I was feeling without needing anyone to say anything about the story it was just for the sake of Mm -hmm. getting it out and understanding it right um, and then I, as I started to work with more people who also had experienced a lot of trauma from wars and different kind of experiences due to violence, I started to see how movement be- became this powerful tool to take the inner self-reflective work that they were doing 
out into the world. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I ended up going to Colombia and working with former child soldiers where I specifically wow. partnered with an organization that was using arts and a lot of performance-based arts to, to work through, you know, a lot of the different things that they were doing. And I, what I did with them was this project of kind of the inner work. We used a lot of meditation, a lot of touch, self-touch through shiatsu therapy and, you know, partner work and kind of breaking down some of those internal emotions that were kind of getting in the way of, of the certain things that the people wanted to experience. But then how do we then express them out? Like how do we actually make them tangible? That's where I found that the performance piece that they were doing within the organization became really powerful because, you know, they might see themselves with greater confidence and greater self-love from the internal self-reflection work. But what good is that if it's not applied into, into the outside world? Like if you don't actually apply it to your life, so that's where I found the movement became that avenue to kind of explore it. Like, here's, I'm going to show you now what my new self-love looks like, right? And as I show you that, I'm also creating a new pattern with my brain that is now encouraging me to kind of act out of that more than perhaps not. So that's where I started to see like that subtle connection of how movement can take the internal work out. Hmm. 23 years later, (laughs) here you are. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. And can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the ether, online, in the world? Yeah, you can uh, definitely find me on my website, circlepointwellness.com, or on Instagram um, or on LinkedIn, um, depending on what kind of content you want to engage with me with those two are a bit different but i say check out both and see which one speaks to you (laughs) that's our show the d word is presented by dance made in canada a contemporary dance festival featuring canadian dance artists who possess unique artistic visions and come from all cultural backgrounds This year, Dance Made in Canada presents in-person programming featuring artists from across Canada in our main stage, WYSIWYG, Dance on Film and Video, Installation and Photography Exhibition at the Betty Oliphant Theatre in Toronto from August 16th to August 20th. Dance Made in Canada's co-festival directors are Janelle Rainville and Jeff Morris. Yvonne Ng is the artistic director and also co-festival director. The D Word is produced by Grace Elliott with Taylor Young. Our editor and composer is Jamar Powell. Our sound engineer is Chris Dupuis at 1990 Studios. And I'm your host, Aria Evans. Thank you to Canadian Heritage, the Canada Council for the Arts, Ontario Arts Council, and Toronto Arts Council for making The D Word possible. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to rate and review. Talk to you soon. Bye.